At MECED in Charlotte, North Carolina, we help transform the lives of young people who face obstacles. We are proud to point to the success of not only our graduates, but so many others in our community. Join us as we unlock the secrets to their success. You are going to hear how young people navigated a system that was not designed for everyone to succeed. You are going to be moved and inspired by the stories of each of our guests. Classes in session. Here is your host, Ross Dennis. Hello again, everyone. This is Ross Dennis, and welcome to Let's Reinvent School, Season 2, which airs every week from now until January 5th, between 11 a.m. and 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You know, our last season focused on inputs. In other words, programs, policies, and practices. We put a spotlight this season on outputs, the people whose expectations and experiences in school have contributed to who they are as adults. You know, everyone has their own unique school experience. Some of us have great memories of our years in school. Others, you know, had to overcome obstacles to excuse me, succeed in both school and in life. We want to highlight all of these stories, some funny, some sad, some warm and endearing, others frustrating and infuriating, all of them compelling, all real and all about our individual and collective experiences. What do we hope to learn? Well, we're looking to, for themes and shared experiences, both good and bad. We want to be inspired to create the schools that our kids need to thrive in the world in which they will live. Our goal is to invite and explore multiple perspectives in addition to the experiences of those who attended public schools in different parts of the United States. We're inviting graduates of private, parochial, and homeschool to share their experience. We want everyone to know they're in good hands. And they're going to share in advance any topics that they want to avoid. That's fine with us or, or delve into. That's fine with us as well. Joining us today, Shelly Bybee. Shelly is the COO, Chief Operating Officer of MECED. Many years of experience as an educator, teacher, uh, development director, and now as a Chief Operating Officer at MECED. Also joining us is the fabulous Megan Connor. Megan is the manager of our Career Pathways program. She's an extraordinary uh, young woman who brings a wealth of experience and commitment to young people and their success. We're happy to have both of you join us. I thought I would start this morning first by thanking you both for being here and for our listeners. Thank you for joining in. It gave me the, when I was thinking back on my own school experience, it gave me the opportunity to look at uh, my report cards. <laughs> and I happened to, at least my mother saved these and gave them to me. Here's the report card from 1962, first grade. I was graded on obedience, self-control, perseverance, courage, cooperation, orderliness, and health habits. In addition to religion, oral, written, reading, and spelling, social studies, arithmetic, handwriting, art, music, health education, thoroughness in daily work, attention during class, and home study. That was what I was graded on. And I think it's radically different today. Um, I'm not sure the arts are there. I'm not sure that, uh, oh, interestingly enough, in fifth grade, community service was was actually on the report card. That's something (laughs) you're graded on. You know, satisfactory, unsatisfactory, commendable. 
the, I'm, I'm the first to say times have changed. I don't know if it's for the better, but um, I also have to confess that I confess. See that? I went to Catholic school. <laughs> always, <laughs> always requires a confession. Um, when I look at some of my grades, they're, they're littered with things like careless in red pen. There are crying angels stamped on my arithmetic homework. <laughs> so there were there was no hesitation around, you know, self-esteem, hurting people's self-esteem. It was like, you will smack you down. Uh, and I, I'm not sure that careless, another careless comes up as I'm looking through some of my, my assignments. I'm not sure that that was a terrible thing because, you know, the, the good and bad of that is that to this day, I care deeply about the work I do and the quality of the work. And at the same time, you know, it'll completely mess you up. Being thinking that way, so uh, times have changed. Yes, they have, and let's hope um, there's a nice balance that can be struck. In the meantime, Shelley, you're, you know, I don't mean to date you in terms of age, but you're younger than I am, and Megan is younger than both of us. What was your elementary school experience like? Yeah, well, thanks for allowing me to share today, Ross. Um, Proud to say I'm 42, so I'm going to own that. Um, you know, I, when you asked me to do this, I've been thinking back. And quite honestly, the word that keeps coming to mind is quite boring. Um, you know, my mom was a teacher in our school district. So I grew up in a household that absolutely valued education. My grandfather from, you know, the day where we were born, set up a college fund. Um, I, I can't imagine, or I can't remember a conversation with him where he didn't bring up something about my education and want to make sure that I was doing well in school. So going to school for me was, um, I liked it. I think I was probably more social than anything else. I got lots of those comments on my report cards, like she's smart, but she uh, talks to everybody in the class. And um, so there was a lot of that. Um, but I, I remember, it's, it's interesting when I think about specific teachers, I remember them for their personalities. I don't remember them for what they taught me or inspired me to do or didn't inspire me. I remember mean and nice hmm. um, until I got to high school. Then I would say that I had um, probably two teachers who absolutely inspired me, and that was enough along with my mom being a teacher and, and a family of educators to want to go into education and to teach. Um, but it, it, I really didn't think that would be my path until my junior year of high school. Um, I had this amazing teacher, Linda Rice, who actually ended up becoming a professor at the college I went to. And she had us do this, um, it was English, honors English. And I was very concerned about taking honors English. I had never taken an honors class before. And so I had very low confidence. Um, everybody in there, you know, we're going to be our future valedictorians. And I just, um, I didn't know that I could handle it. And one of our first projects was a genealogy project where you worked with your family and you went to the local history department of the library and you worked on this project for three months and it brought family together. Um, I remember my 90-year-old grandmother coming to the school to present with me on our family. Um, so that was really one of the very first times in school where it clicked, wow, this can be really relevant to my life. 
This can be something that teaches me about my family, can engage me. Um, and that's the type of teacher that I decided that I want to be. So, yeah. Um, so I wouldn't say it was a bad experience, but, um, you know, my sister is three years older than me. And we were actually having this conversation the other day and she used the term uninspired, um, that it just was kind of a lot of worksheets yeah. and memorization and we made it through. Yeah, you sure did. Megan, give us a little synopsis of like the big picture of your early years in school. Well, I remember, I remember like being excited about going to school, going to school, and then just over time, just hating to get up in the morning to go to school. Mm. My excitement in the beginning came from um, I always like to learn. Uh, my mom would tell you I was the type of kid that would take things apart and put it back back together. Um, she had a bunch of books around the house. I would read the books. I taught myself how to read. As a, at a very young age, and um, I wasn't able to go to preschool because they said I was too smart. I remember getting tested to <laughs> to go to preschool, and they were like, "You're too smart." I remember being disappointed because I couldn't go to school with my cousins and and stuff like that. So when I finally got to school, I was like, "Yeah, probably in school <laughs> with my cousins and stuff like that." And then I don't know, like a year or two into it, I was like, "I want to be home. I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> I don't want to." here anymore right school um, happened to you school just happened yeah you see that a lot don't you right by sixth seventh eighth grade you see kids who are really excited about school now their heads are on the desk they're like oh this is awful i can't yeah can't this. I've, and i've always been well i've been told i'm a i'm a smart kid um i've always had good grades my report card looked nothing like yours ross it was <laughs> definitely about like reading and math it was nothing about your personality and you know, different other skills, human skills, right. of that nature. We didn't have that, but um, I've always had good grades and things of that nature. And I remember in third grade, a divide happened. Mm. Uh, all of a sudden, I was put in a class of students. I didn't know who they were because at that at that point, I was in classes with pretty much the same people, people from my community, and then I was just this little black girl in this white classroom and I didn't understand why. And it was because I had been separated out. I was smart. I was so smart. They were now putting me in advanced classes. Mm -hmm. So that happened around third grade. And I remember looking around me like something's yeah. different. Something's not right. right. Why my friends are not right. in this class. Um, well, you know, Megan, it gives me chills to hear you tell that story because the world does divide in third grade, right? Mm -hmm. These days, if you're not reading on grade level by age nine, all of a sudden we take you and we put you in remedial classes with worksheets and drills and um, skill development. And then there's another class who's been deemed smart enough or capable enough, which you are tagged to be in that group, who get, you know, to do plays and simulation activities and interesting stuff and fun. Yeah. And you know what happens, right? And what happens is it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. All of a sudden, the ones in this class are traveling with this group, end up fourth, fifth, sixth. They don't get algebra in eighth grade. You get algebra in eighth grade. And slowly but surely, we divide the world uh -huh. right around that time. How yep. about that? And I, and I, as a kid, I noticed that I was getting, it was getting divided. Yeah. Um, and then around middle school is when I really started to hate school <laughs> and I was flip-flopping at that time and it may have been just my confidence so in sixth grade I was in the advanced classes 
And then in seventh grade, I was back in like regular classes. I was I was now back with the peers I had left left behind in third grade. And then F grade and then eighth grade, I was back in honors classes. It was really an experience. <laughs> and I was like, hmm. what happened there? Like I think about that. I'm like, what really happened around that time period where I was just fencing? Like I was just on the fence. Um, Let me ask you something. Do you think race had anything to do with it? You know, as, a, think, as a young black woman. Well, it could have. It could have had something to do with it. it could have had something to do with my confidence at the time. Middle school was tough. Mm. Okay, <laughs> middle school was tough in many ways, not just academically but socially. Um, sure. Middle school is is very tough, and I was definitely the kid with big glasses and braces. So, <laughs> and that was not mm. cool back then. So it no. might have something to do with that, and it may have to do something with race because, again, once I was in accelerated classes, again, it was only a few black people mm-hmm. in those classes. It just well, wasn't that continue all the way through high school. Yeah, but you know when you when you talk about middle school like that, you could ask a thousand adults what age they would love to go back to. Not one of them would say twelve. Absolutely not. Mm-mm, get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I used to listen. I was a middle school principal. I used to say, let's just put everybody on homebound instruction, tell them to come back in ninth grade. <laughs> Make so, good. Right. Shelly, what was your middle school experience like? Um, I re- yeah, middle school was tough, but I, I actually I think I, I I had a pretty decent friend group that um again I was there for the social aspect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I had a really good friend group through middle school until um, seventh grade. So our middle school was only um, was fifth, sixth and seventh. And then eighth grade, we went to the high school. So seventh grade towards the end kind of had a falling out. And I I remember that being really difficult to deal with, you know, so now you're just recognizing, um, you know, how mean kids can be. I I wouldn't say that I was bullied through middle school or anything like that, but um, Yeah, it it was pretty easy. I do remember having one teacher in middle school that I absolutely um, adored. And it was my math class, which was really interesting because I was not um, a performer in math. It was not my favorite. And he really, um, Mr. Murray, my sixth grade teacher, really inspired me to know like I could do math and um, and he was a mentor to the kids. And again, I remember so much more about his personality and the relationships that he formed mm. with students versus the actual teaching. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think I, yeah, I agree a hundred percent would never go back to that age range, but um, I think I made it through pretty decently or I've really learned to suppress and <laughs> <laughs> maybe later in therapy, something will come out about my middle yeah. school years. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have two stories about my own middle. I didn't have middle school, frankly, but it was, it was first through eighth grade. Did not go to kindergarten, not because I was really smart, but just I didn't want to leave my mom. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then in seventh grade, I, I had my first male teacher, nun, nun, or priest, Mr. Shaw. And I remember I got I got um, punished for talking too much. Surprise, surprise. And he gave me a thousand word composition to write on why I should stop talking in class and was due the next day. And so the, I didn't do it, of course. And then the next the next day, he said, uh, Mr. Dennis, Master Dennis, 
um, where's your thousand word composition? And I quickly drew a stick figure on a piece of paper with a line through his mouth and gave it to him. He said, what's this? I said, well, you know, a picture's worth a thousand words. <laughs> and uh, he paused. You know, I had never seen this man smile. And I saw the corners of his lips just go a tiny little bit. And he said, all right, sit down. <laughs> and I walked back to my desk thinking, I mean, I don't know what I just did there, but whatever it is, it's going to work out for me. So I, I knew that somehow being creative like that was, was a skill set that uh, could be applied in certain situations. Right. Those were my favorite students. Um, yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> so when we get back from our first break, we're going to delve a little bit more into one, one more one more middle school uh, story from me, and then we're going to go to access to the arts, and we want to talk about access to a, a AP classes, Algebra 8, discipline, you know, whether you had tutoring opportunities, college and career, whether you felt like you were ready for that when you graduated. But uh, until then, you know, we'll, we'll see you on the other side. Thanks for listening. So MECED is a college and career readiness uh, institution that is very committed to workforce development, has been for quite some time, with a special emphasis on making sure that the kids who face obstacles in our community have a fair shot at a bright future. Right now we're working with young people from uh, Garinger, from Harding, University High, West Charlotte, and Chambers High School. Uh, before the pandemic, they were all on the bottom fifth of the economic ladder. These days, they, it's hard for them to even find that ladder. Then we provide job shadows, uh, paid internships. We'll put, pay for career clothing, transportation, food, certification programs. It's called to make sure that every, every young person in Mecklenburg County has an opportunity to, to live a life where they can thrive, both in school and out of school. And we believe that that doesn't happen just by being in school, that school isn't enough that to be educated requires much more than school. Experiences matter. My experiences with MECED, uh, they put me in an internship at the hospital for two years. I think, I, th I do think MECED is invested in me um, living my dream. They want the best for each and every one of their students. And it's like they won't go down without a fight. <laughs> so MECED means opportunity family, friendship. I am a healthcare tech at Atrium Health University in the Maternity Center. Uh, career Pathways, we work with underserved high school students. We put them in internships at 135 different businesses and industries around Mecklenburg County. It's, it's a powerful economic mobility machine. The experience with Career Pathways, it made me more determined. That's how I got my job at Atrium, because I volunteered for four years at the hospital. So it made me get connections, and, and they said, I'll, I'll give you a call. With um, the students that we've had, the preparation that they had through Career Pathways was just exceptional. Honestly, I don't know what I would do without Career Pathways. Like, I don't want to see it. Like, it's not, I don't know having someone to talk to and a shoulder to cry on, you know, different family. MECED's been around since 1991. We're here to serve young people in Mecklenburg County, and we're here uh, to make sure that they have the experiences, the knowledge, the skills that they are going to need to thrive in life. Young people spend 
only 20% of their time in school. 80% of their life is spent outside of school. And we want to make sure that we recognize that education doesn't just equal school. We learn in all different kinds of places in different ways. With after school, you're, you're hitting on academics. You're hitting on the things that they might not have during regular school. So like we have visual art, dance, theater, coding. They still get to do with their friends at school with people who are just like them. Some of them don't even know they could dance. They didn't know, some of them don't know that they can draw. Um, so we try to bring those things out of them that they don't even know that they're capable of. But we've really enjoyed the support and appreciated the support from Charlotte Next and MacEd, not just in um, financial assistance, but also just giving us assistance and support along the way to get the programs up and running. Not every student has the opportunity to experience and, and participate in in-school or out-of-school activities. They have so many demands on themselves. And MECED opens that door to those students. Every student is different. And what MECED does a fabulous job of is meeting that student where they are. Welcome back from recess to Let's Reinvent School with Ross Dennis. Got your thinking cap on today? We're going to teach you how to reinvent the public education system. And we want to hear from you. Feel free to call in to ask a question or to tell us your story. Call in to 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show with Ross Dennis. Thanks for coming back, everyone. We're here with Shelly Bybee, our MECED COO at Megan Connor, MECED's manager of our Career Pathways Initiative. And we were talking before the break about middle school, middle school experiences. And I had one more that I'll, I'll share. I was in eighth grade. Uh, my one lay teacher, Mr. Shaw, former military man with a buzz cut, you know, short hair and tough guy, um, called me into his office, into his, uh, the faculty room, and offered me a cigarette. And, you know, I didn't smoke. I was in eighth grade. And then he said, uh, you know, so-and-so is pregnant, a young lady in our school in eighth grade. He said, do you know anything about that? And I, I said, well, I don't even know what that is. I'm 12. <laughs> I, I think it has something to do with the, something you get at the, at the pharmacy. <laughs> but other because i heard about that but other than that i really don't know what you're talking about but just you know he, he like this mono we mono kind of a tough guy let's talk <laughs> thing with uh with an eighth grade he thought was sophisticated enough uh, wasn't nearly that that tough or that that uh, worldly at that age but um but let's go to high school you know this this uh, business of, you know, nine through 12 in your case, Shelly was eight through 12. You went mm -hmm. your high school experience. Yeah. Yeah. Was it good? I mean, would you say that you, you felt uh, you learned a lot and you were well equipped to go on to college? Um, yeah, I, I think I was fortunate that academically our school and again, my attitude towards education because of um, the examples at home that, I, I did get something out of my education there. Again, I could probably, you know, name three teachers that inspired me during my time in high school. Um, but I, I would say it was it was a decent experience. I think, though, when I look back, um, 
knowing what I know now after my teacher training and my experience in the classroom, how much was kind of left on the table that could have been done with us. Um, again, I think just during the time that I was in high school, there was there was a lot of um, you know the the boring again a lot of worksheets. I remember in high school a lot of worksheets and you know just sitting at your desk and um, barely any collaborative learning. Um, so yeah, I, I think that overall it was a decent experience. You know, I went to relatively small high school. I think we had four hundred students total. And wow. so in my graduating class, it was relatively small. Um, you knew everybody and um, our community was pretty close knit. So, you know, again, socially, it was a great experience. Um, and I was extremely active in athletics. Um, and it was definitely one of those schools where if you were an athlete, you know, you could roam the halls, no problem. Nobody's going to question you. Um, so there was there was some of <clears throat> there was some of that where. Yeah, um, I think that I probably got away with things I should have gotten away with <laughs> mm. and skipped classes a lot. Um, but yeah, overall, overall, a decent experience. Now, I will say that, you know, um, at the area where I grew up in, uh, GM, Lordstown, was the main source of income. And um, that manufacturing plant has since shut down and it has definitely affected the quality of the school district. Uh, my parents still live in that area and the way the taxing system is in Ohio, you, you know, pass these school levies. So it's, um, you know, every, every area is a district and you may have just one high school, one middle school, one elementary school, and it's its own district with its own superintendent, with its own board of education. Um, and, you know, some positives to that type of system, but you can also imagine the, the inequity that um, mm -hmm. arises from, you know, when in, when something like a major employer pulls out of the area and suddenly you don't have middle income jobs anymore. Uh, it was very blue collar. It's definitely affected. They, they haven't been able to pass school levies in a long time. Um, so everything from pay to play sports to. Um, cutting the arts programs, um, you see it happening there. So I will say that I I appreciate what I had when I went looking back. Um, I just wish that there would have been a little bit more creativity and um, inspiration. You know, every now and then we try to throw some research into our conversation. And I will say mm -hmm. that the Coleman Report, largest study of uh, achievement ever conducted back in 1966, determined that the three top Determinant, determinants of achievement. Number one, where you live. Mm -hmm. Number two, the social aspirations of your family. And number three, the social aspirations of the children you go to school with. Yeah. And I'm just, it's a tricky question here, Shelly, but mm -hmm. you know, when the economy changed in that part of the world, mm -hmm. was it just that the levies didn't get passed or were aspirations of families different because of the blue collar nature yeah. of the community? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, when I graduated, I think it was 87 or 89% of my graduating class went on to college. Um, that was just what was expected of you in our area. And so, yeah, I, I think that they're going back now to visit. I think aspirations have definitely changed. I think you see, you know, Youngstown area was very, um, the economy was fantastic. And then the seventies, the steel mills closed down and you saw how that just depressed that area. 
And again, where I grew up, a lot of the surrounding areas were very um, uh, poor and in you know, bad economic shape, but we had GM Lordstown that was employing a lot of people. So yeah, when you, when you saw that close, you did see a different attitude in families. And suddenly it wasn't about, you know, I don't think the, the idea of going to college was pushed as much. Um, which is interesting because in an area where those blue collar jobs, you didn't need a college degree where for so long, that's what fueled the area. Mm. Those are all closing down, but you didn't see the shift to, okay, well, you should go on to college. Um, it didn't have that effect, but yeah, I, I, I definitely think aspirations change. Mm. Megan, I don't know where you went to high school. Uh, Lexington, North Carolina, mm -hmm. <laughs> a small town. And uh, it's interesting to hear Shelley's uh, about how the shutdown of, of that that plan, of that job changed. Well, didn't change about pushing for college because in Lexington, um, when I was growing up, working in a factory was the thing. You know, you got paid good money and all this other stuff. And then when I got into high school, um, I think like in middle school, actually, like they started to do layoffs and shutdowns and stuff like that. So when I got to high school, it was a push to go to school. It was a push hmm. to go to college. They were pushing. <laughs> they were pushing. That was hmm. all we heard about is going to college. Now, did they properly prepare us for college? No, but <laughs> hmm. but it was definitely a push and not just from the schools. It was from the households. Um, and you were getting a push. Right. Now, for me, in my household, my mom has always had the aspiration of me going to college because that's something she wanted to do, but she didn't get to do because uh, she was one out of 12. And out of those 12 kids, only four of them graduated high school. And she mm. was four that graduated high school. She wanted more for me. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, it was definitely a push. And right. definitely were not prepared. <laughs> I was not. You didn't think you were really in what no. way? Academically, socially, both. Yeah, both. Academically, um, I feel like I was just coasting by and getting good grades. To be mm. honest with you, um, it was almost like a participation grade. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like looking back on it, that's what it feels like. Because when I got to like my freshman year of college, I was like. I feel like I was supposed to learn some of these things and I didn't learn it when I was in high school and I was supposed to. So I felt like I was really behind um, by freshman year of college. Mm -hmm. um, I needed tutors and I was on academic probation. Really? Uh, my first semester, my first semester, that was almost going to kick me out. They were like, you need to get your act together on your lady or you won't be here. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and I'm also a first generation uh, college student. So right it was a lot of figuring things out for myself. What do you think? Um, what do you think kept you on that track? You said you figured things out for yourself. You mm -hmm. must've persevered in some way. I feel like I've always been a person to figure out by myself. Again, I mm -hmm. told you earlier, I taught myself how to read. So <laughs> I've always had that in me, but another thing was my mom just instilled uh, more. My mom has the idea that each generation should be better than the last one. So in, in my mind, I can't just stop at graduating high school. I need to go further. I need to take this further um, than where she can she can go. And and I wanted to get out of my small little town of Lexington and school was going to be it. 
That's yeah, gonna your ticket out. It's always been a ticket out. Yeah. What was interesting, a lot of people in my class had that same mentality. Like, oh, we're getting out of here. Like, mm. we're about to get out of here. And a lot of us went to college and a lot of them came back. They didn't make it. Mm. First, first year. First year. Oh, really? Had to come back. Yes. First uh-huh. year had to come back and start over and figure things out. Some some went back to college. Like, they decided to go to, like, a community college instead. Um, some just didn't even attempt it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, sad part of the system is that county colleges actually depend on that. They factor that into their budgets. Oh, really? The, the remediation of, of young people who go to college and then come back. Mm. So, you know, there's a system issue there that's, that's a problem. Well, you know, kudos to you for, for the all that you've done to arrive at this successful place. And you made it out, girl. I made it out. <laughs> now, you bet. I'm trying to help other kids make it out. <laughs> that's right. And you are every day you do that. So, um, Listen, you know, by the time I got to high school, particularly sophomore year, I had embraced both of those things that Mr. Shaw had asked me about, uh, smoking and girls. So <laughs> so I was like, there must be something to what he's saying that's kind of interesting. But um, if it wasn't for music, I don't know if I'd make it. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Same. Yeah. My favorite right? teacher in high school was my music teacher, my choir Same. teacher. Same here. Yep. Yep. Playing in bands. And so you can only hope that the arts are alive and well in our schools. And some people, you know, say that the only thing that matters now, it's what's tested. We make important what's tested instead of measuring what matters. So if you're measuring reading and math, guess what's important? Reading and math. Mm -hmm. You know, the arts get eviscerated in our schools, which is such a shame. Yeah. Um, So in my case, you know, my uh, my dad tried to talk me out of college because he he had a piece of paper and he wrote some numbers. And he said, "What's it going to cost each year?" And I told him. He goes, "You know how much you could make during that time." So he calculated the lost earnings and the cost of college. He says, "And if you become a teacher, it'll take you your whole life to make that money back." Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went to work in construction, and I was working as a mason's helper, shoveling concrete. And, I remember the day. I think I think my guidance counselor, my dad, made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then went back to school, went back to college. So you know, it took seven years for that mm-hmm. four-year degree. I was on the seven-year train too, Russ. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pay as you go. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, interesting. I had the reverse experience. I actually wanted to go to culinary school. Um, again, college was always pushed, and I and I took that as that's still an education, but my parents said, we'll pay for the four-year degree. If after that you still want to go to culinary school, then we'll pay for you to go to culinary school. Oh. So of course I didn't go to culinary school. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So um and we all we all went off. I mean I didn't um here I am, you know, the, with a doctorate and running an organization and have, have had a successful career. But, you know, I didn't graduate high school on time. I cut my English class 63 times. Yeah. And and uh, even my high school diploma has June crossed out and July written in because I went to summer school. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and it wasn't because I was 
I was cutting class on purpose. I was actually two doors down in an empty classroom reading the books I wanted to read because I didn't like his curriculum. <laughs> so I was reading Furling Eddy. Always a rebel. I was reading Furling Eddy and Ken Kesey and uh, Allen Ginsberg. Uh, those are my those are my peeps, you know, the the beat poets, uh, yeah. radicals. And, you know, he was doing Chaucer. And years later, I went back and read Chaucer. And I get it. But, um, yeah, I was a little bit of a rebel. And when I went back to college, and this is a tagline to this story that I think is kind of interesting. It's true. Uh, but when my guidance counselor went back for his master's degree, I was his professor. <laughs> it's fascinating. Yeah. Right. It was Ross. Ro Ro <laughs> Ross, I'm like, it's Dr. Town. <laughs> <laughs> but you know the things we hold on to in our lives yeah um, and then, yeah, i know uh, we're gonna as go i say i know we're gonna take a break but um when we get back we'd love to talk about differentiated instruction and how that could have kept you in the room yeah right and mm -hmm. i'd like to hear a little bit about your son yeah you know, and his experience yeah. in school For sure. well this is but you guys have been great and it's been a lot of fun i hope it's been interesting to our audience out there we are going to take another break, learn a little bit more about MechEd. We hope you join us when we come back, and please feel free to call in. MechEd's been around since 1991. We're here to serve young people in Mecklenburg County, and we're here uh, to make sure that they have the experiences, the knowledge, the skills that they are going to need to thrive in life. Young people spend only 20% of their time in school. 80% of their life is spent outside of school. And we want to make sure that we recognize that education doesn't just equal school. We learn in all different kinds of places in different ways. With after school, you're, you're hitting on academics. You're hitting on the things that they might not have during regular school. So like you have visual art, dance, theater, coding. They still get to do with their friends at school, with people who are just like them. Some of them don't even know they could dance. They didn't know, some of them don't know that they can draw. Um, so we try to bring those things out of them that they don't even know that they're capable of. But we've really enjoyed the support and appreciated the support from Charlotte Next and MacEd, not just in um, financial assistance, but also just giving us assistance and support along the way to get the programs up and running. Not every student has the opportunity to experience and, and participate in in-school or out-of-school activities. They have so many demands on themselves. And MechEd opens that door to those students. Every student is different. And what MechEd does a fabulous job of is meeting that student where they are. So MechEd is a college and career readiness uh, institution that is very committed to workforce development, has been for quite some time, with a special emphasis on making sure that the kids who face obstacles in our community have a fair shot at a bright future. Right now we're working with young people from uh, Garinger, from Harding University High, West Charlotte, and Chambers High School. Uh, before the pandemic, they were all on the bottom fifth of the economic ladder. These days, they, it's hard for them to even find that ladder. Then we provide job shadows, uh, paid internships. We'll put, pay for career clothing, transportation, food, certification programs. The goal is to make sure that every, every young person in Mecklenburg County has an opportunity to, to live a life where they can thrive, both in school and out of school. And we believe that that doesn't happen just by being in school, that school isn't enough, that to be educated requires much more than school. Experiences matter.
My experiences with MedCAD, uh, they put me in an internship at the hospital for two years. I think I, th I do think MedCAD is invested in me um, living my dream. They want the best for each and every one of their students. And it's like they won't go down without a fight. <laughs> so MedCAD means opportunity. Family, friendship. I am a healthcare tech at Atrium Health University in the Maternity Center. Uh, career Pathways, we work with underserved high school students. We put them in internships at 135 different businesses and industries around Mecklenburg County. It's, it's a powerful economic mobility machine. The experience with Career Pathways, it made me more determined. That's how I got my job at Atrium, because I volunteered for four years at the hospital. So it made me get connections and and they said, I'll, I'll give you a call. With um, the students that we've had, the preparation that they had through Career Pathways was just exceptional. Honestly, I don't know what I would would, would do without Career Pathways. Like, I don't want to see it. Like, it's not, I don't know, having someone to talk to and a shoulder to cry on, you know, different family. Welcome back from recess to Let's Reinvent School with Ross Dennis. Got your thinking cap on today? We're going to teach you how to reinvent the public education system. And we want to hear from you. Feel free to call in to ask a question or to tell us your story. Call in to 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show with Ross Dennis. Welcome back, everyone. And welcome back to Shelley Bybee and to Megan Connor. We're having an interesting, actually fascinating conversation about our own personal school experiences and, you know, the aspirations of families. And, you know, in Megan's case, you clearly, your family wanted you to go to college. Mm -hmm. But of My all of the college. mom yeah. in particular, yeah. Yes. Mom in particular wanted me to go to college, um, but education wasn't necessarily the forefront of, like, my aunts and uncles mm -hmm. with their children. They didn't get that type of support, that type of push um, to go to college. It was, you know, get them through high school and done. Right. Right. Yeah. In my case, like my dad got his GED in the Air Force. My mom graduated high school. But that was, you know, as far as they went. Mm -hmm. And um, so I guess it, you know, you just don't know. It wasn't something my grandfather, he went to the third grade. He dropped out when he was nine mm -hmm. and was working in the streets of Philadelphia. So it just wasn't something that was part of the family dynamic, I suppose. Um, and it is now. And I'm of the mind, both of you know this, that I don't believe that college should be about making money when you get out. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, don't, I think it helps, but, you know, there's something about being educated, being able to think, be a critical thinker, value truth and search for evidence, be well read. And I like to know that the people I'm talking to share some of the same references. We could, even their humor is different if you if you read some some of the same things. Mm -hmm. So, um, in general, citizenship depends upon an educated population. What Thomas Jefferson once said, you know, at least they become sheep led by wolves. Keep your people enlightened. Mm -hmm. So, I, I'd like to keep that as part of the conversation around college because these days there's so much around college and career. And sometimes I hear people use the, the, another word there and they say college or career 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know who you're t- saying that to, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I know not everyone needs to go to college, but some under underserved, no, over, uh, no, high, low-performing, well-resourced white kids go to college at a much higher rate than high-performing, low-resourced black and brown kids. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when that changes, you know, we could talk about having those rich white kids get their uh, their HVAC certification. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Anyway, but I digress, don't I? So, Shelly, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> let's go back. You know, your son, Dom, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. who's how old now? I, I have him trapped at 18, but he's. <laughs> He'll be 21 in February. Wow. Well, I know. 21. And so his experiences in school were a challenge for, for him in the mm-hmm. early grades, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, we really struggled. It was interesting when he started school, there was a new charter school opening up in our area and I decided to give it a try. And from the very first day, so he's mixed um, and he was the only minority student in the entire school. And, you know, in kindergarten didn't really have the vocabulary to talk about that, but would come home and be like, why do the kids ask to touch my hair? Why, you know, they were curious. And so we'd have those conversations. And, um, you know, by the time he got into second grade, it really was affecting him behaviorally. It was just, he felt so different. He felt out of place. Um, You know, I had raised concerns because I was helping raise money for the school about diversity and how we were going to um, encourage a more diverse population. And, you know, we didn't have a cafeteria. Students, they ordered out every day for lunch. Um, No busing system. So right away, you can see how naturally they are they are making it very impossible for certain parts of the population to attend this school. Um, So it it ended up being where we pulled him out of that school. We put him in a private school for a couple of years. um, And in his class of 10, there was more diversity than the entire charter school. (laughs) It was amazing. The principal was African-American. He really bonded with her. Um, And so that was, I had always believed in my heart, but that was, really eye-opening to see, you know, representation matters and having people who look like you and having people who um, can understand you more um, that really affected him. So after that, you know, he had a pretty decent um, middle school. We put him in an IB school. He, you know, academically, he's a gifted child, um, you know, very smart, just motivation was kind of an issue for him. But the IB school was fantastic. Um, What an education he received there. And then it it is interesting because I also was going down that road of promoting college. You know, I started the bank account when he was first born and I saved up enough for him to go for two years. And and it was just, I, I kind of realized, I think it was about halfway through his junior year that I was making such a big push and I don't know that I was listening to him enough. Um. And so, you know, we exposed him to what are these options? Um, You know, what are you interested in doing? What are your competencies? Okay, well, maybe you can go to trade school. You know, just really making sure that we weren't pushing, we were just presenting the options. And in the end, he did decide to go to college. Um, So he's in his, uh, he's almost finished with his associate's degree and he's going to be an accountant. Um, 
But it was very interesting to watch. Um, you know, he was an athlete and played basketball in high school. And I'm very grateful for that. I think it kept him, um, you know, focused. But still, even in his high school, which was, you know, um, predominantly white, um, it was interesting to watch the, his friend groups and who he, who he really, um, what's the word I'm looking for, kind of clung to. You know, if we would go to an event, he would find the other minority students, even if he didn't know them, and they would end up, you know, hanging out. And again, just that constant reminder, like, man, representation matters and seeing people that look like you really matters. And there's a comfort to that. And um, yeah, so, so yeah, but elementary school was a rough one. I I would not go back to elementary. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad he's doing well. Yeah, he's good. But, you know, like we said, social aspirations of the family and the kids you go to school with. Now, you know, in his case, you're right. Representation matters. did that matter so much to you, Megan? Because I know you were in a class, a gift, so-called gifted class, or mm-hmm. you felt like you were separated from other yeah, people who I, looked I like you. Yeah, I immediately that we were separated. But um, as time goes on, you just, uh, what well, we end up, <laughs> so the few Black kids that were in, like, honors classes and, and uh, AP classes, we were trying to convince uh, other Black students that they can also be in AP and honors classes, because in their minds, uh, people who were taking regular classes, in their minds, they were like, oh, we're not smart enough to be mm-hmm. in those classes. And we knew who they were. And we were like, yes, you are. Mm-hmm. Like, you're definitely smart enough to be in a class. And we were trying to convince them they they never converted. But we, mm-hmm. we got to spend our time trying to get more Black students into honors and AP classes because we knew they were smart enough. But it, the messaging was already out there. That they weren't smart enough to be in those classes, and 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 some of them have they went to college. Uh, funny enough, they went to college and are successful and 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 stuff like that. So, but um, we just all we just started meshing and getting along with everybody. So it wasn't. Mm. It got to a point we weren't divided because of race. We kind of just ended up just coming together because we were all struggling with a paper. <laughs> we're all struggling with a paper or you know we we see each other all the time so we're hanging out we're in the same classes and things are finished i think we only had like one or two race related mm. issues that happened and that got nipping but real quick mm. by the student body so <laughs> you know in this in this third and final segment of our program we try we try to you know, get some generalizations, some takeaways, some learning, something we could uh, take back to inform our work. In this case, I'm thinking quite a bit about the the practice of ability grouping, that mm-hmm. somebody decides who's smart and who's not at, at yeah. the beginning at a very young age. You know, even in kindergarten, touch your nose. It looks like a DUI test sometimes when you're like, you know, mm-hmm. what kind of mm-hmm. skill set you have? How can you use scissors? And you go over here, but you're 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 slow. You need to go over here. And I think it self-perpetuates itself. And all of a sudden you tell a kid long enough that you're not good enough for that class. He's going to believe it. She's going to believe it. And uh, that's where the world divides. And you have to convince people, no, 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 you are smart. Mm -hmm. And, and who's, who's playing little tin God in your life telling you that you're not. Mm -hmm. So we think we got to, if there's anything we can change, I think it'd be really critical. First of all, access to AP classes. 
There are school districts where only some of the high schools have AP and others don't. And, you know, you wonder when you take a look at the demographics of the schools that don't have those AP options, it's startling. So as I feel the same way about algebra, algebra in eighth grade, you know, we, we, listen, one of the stories I, I tell about our daughter, when she was in seventh grade, we met with her teacher about her math placement for grade eight and her, and her math teacher said, uh, her homeroom teacher said, I'm going to recommend her for pre-algebra in eighth. I said, well, if she has pre-algebra in eighth, she'd get algebra in ninth and then geometry in 10th and she would never get the calculus. Um, and the teacher said, well, she's never going to need calculus. She's pretty. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I laugh. And That's like anger. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, I felt it. I felt it, Shelly. I felt it. Oh, yeah. man. Um, so no one felt this more than Mrs. Dennis, um, yeah. <laughs> who who's sitting right next to me. And I reached over and I grabbed her hand and I squeezed it because I could feel her wanting to lunge over the table. <laughs> and, you know. Yeah. Jack, this one up against the wall. We said, no, you know what? Let's uh, let's put her into algebra in eighth grade. And um, we've never looked back. So I always think, you know, even as a supervisor, when I was a district um, a chief school, um, chief academic officer, I would carry eight waivers in my briefcase. And when parents would say my, my son or daughter, you know, they didn't accept her into AP. I go, you know, you can waive them in. Mm-hmm. You sign this. What, what do you mean? I can wave them in. You guys, you can just sign this waiver, and we're going to yeah. put them in, and you'll be responsible for their grade. Though you know, if they don't do well, nine times out of ten, they did well. So uh, let's add to our list, you know, social aspirations of the family, social aspirations of the kids your kids go to school with, and how about expectations? You yeah. know, if you have high expectations for kids, they're going to do well. Yes. Shelly, got any takeaways from today? Yeah, I just I love hearing um, everybody's different stories. Um, And it's just I I keep going back to, you know, we're working with the middle school students now. What you just said, expectations, because I think we have such a culture of low expectations in some areas. And in my time in the classroom, what I saw when you have high expectations, kids majority of the time will rise to them. So it's so Mm -hmm. important to keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. Couldn't agree more. Megan. Yes, I am. I I agree with you, Shelly, about having expectations and giving these kids a chance. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason why I got into the work that I did is because I tell people all the time is by the grace that I'm here, because Mm -hmm. I had people around me randomly, feels randomly, that helped me out along the way. And I've always said Mm -hmm. I want to be that person to another kid, Um, you know, give them a chance, even if they don't succeed. Hey, we got you there to even, you know, have the opportunity. I see you doing that every day, <laughs> every sure. single day. So this, this has been fun. And I thank both of you so much for, for sharing. And um, I'll be thinking about whether I overshared later after this program. <laughs> <laughs> But I I want our audience to know that we're going to do this every week for the next 13 weeks from 11 till 12 uh, p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Let's Reinvent School. We're going to try to keep the focus on being positive about what's possible, not just what's wrong with our schools, what's possible. And we're inviting all different kinds of people from different backgrounds, different perspectives to join us. We hope you'll join us. You could find uh, Let's Reinvent School 
just about anywhere you download your podcasts, Apple, et cetera, et cetera, within a day. Or you could you could just go to Voice America's website. Uh, you could click the bottom of, of my signature line on my emails. It simply says, let's reinvent school. But I encourage all of our guests to share with your social networks uh, the program and access to the program. With that, I'll say thank you all. And we'll see you next Thursday, same time, same channel. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to Let's Reinvent School. Tune in next week as we provide more great insight into the state of the public education system. Until next week, class dismissed. <laughs>